Happy Easter, happy April Fool's Day, and welcome to the Under the Scope podcast. We are a music discussion podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Will Brost, and I'm a little sick today, but that's okay because I'm here talking to my best friend, Patrick Anderson. How's it April going? Fools, it's not me. April Fools, you're not my best friend. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so nor- normally, I'm sorry, I'm, sorry. <laughs> I'm already dissing you 30 <laughs> seconds into the podcast. It's some, some bullshit. <laughs> All right, so normally we do album reviews, but last year we started this series where at the end of each quarter, we do a quarterly report the way a business would. Uh, right, just right. kind of recapping a lot of the albums that we liked or just some of the more notable albums released during the period that we hadn't talked about yet. So we've got plenty of albums to talk about. Uh, the first four records we're going to talk about are albums that you and I agreed to talk about beforehand. And these aren't necessarily albums we like per se. They're just some notable albums that we wanted to discuss in some form. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we'll each give, we'll go back and forth, uh, giving four individual recommendations of some lesser-known albums that we think, you know, deserve a little more shine, uh, albums we'd like to recommend to you. And then if we still have time, we're just going to bat back and forth uh, some additional quick recommendations. So this is really a podcast to kind of introduce you all to music we've been enjoying over the first three months of the year so far. Uh, So without further ado, I think the first album we decided to talk about is Migos Culture 2. Mm -hmm. This is the first one to be released out of the four that we picked, right? So I think, uh, yeah, I think you're right. So that makes makes sense that we would start with it. So yeah, so I'll do a a quick intro on this. Um, We know who Migos are, right? Culture 2 is the new 106-minute album from hip-hop trio Migos, and on this 106-minute album, Migos rap about, you know, money, women, and weed over the course of, again, 106 minutes. I have a major complaint with this record. I don't know if you can figure out what my problem is with this record, but I'll give you 106 guesses to figure it out. It is ridiculous, though, right? It's completely over the top. Yeah. It's just like it's it's ambition for the sake of ambition. Mm. Like that's that's literally all that it is. It's not it there's not a lot of creativity behind those 106 minutes. It feels like it's just like hey, nobody really has a 106 minute album of pure trap like samey <laughs> it is very samey rapping like <laughs> in in today's uh hip-hop world so let's do that (laughs) and that's what it felt like i I think that's giving them a lot of credit to say ambition for the sake of ambition i think it's um it's well it's 24 songs and i think it's less ambition for the sake of ambition and more we're gonna bloat our albums because in the streaming age, you get money for every stream, so more songs is more uh, money. Interesting. So that's, that's my your call. I, I don't know if I mean I can't prove it, but or maybe or maybe a uh, we just couldn't decide which songs we wanted to take out. So fuck it, because they're all kind of the same. So it's like which yeah, one do you so, cut? I don't know. 
we can't tell the difference, so you guys can just, like, you guys can listen to it and decide what you like and don't like. Yeah, it's, I mean, the there's only a couple songs that actually stand out sonically. Yeah. Uh, Stir, I mean, yeah. Stir Fry, I think, is a pretty good example of that. That's the Pharrell instrumental. It's yeah. It's a big single yeah. right now. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, like, I really, this album is, like, it's... <laughs> It's so surface level, just like, like it. It's exactly. I've felt the exact same way about this album since the first time that I listened to it. Pretty much, you know. Yeah, it, not, I was yeah. like, it, yeah, I was like, it, it's like. <laughs> I mean, it is ridiculous to get it through this entire thing, and then you know, there's some good highlights through here, and that's it. It's like a playlist. It doesn't feel like a real album, you know. Yeah, if you cut this album down an hour i would still like think you could still cut a couple more tracks <laughs> there are <laughs> yeah it would still be like not a spectacular album <laughs> no no that's what i've i've seen on uh reddit i guess the the hip hop heads i think subreddit they were doing this thread where it was like uh compose culture 2 like cut down culture 2 to 10 tracks and make a great album out of it and it's like if you're having a whole thread to discuss like which 14 songs would you remove to make this a great album yeah then you're in trouble like that's (laughs) but the the, but i guess the point is do should they care if their album is bloated or you know because ultimately i think it's just they're trying to if their music is any indication and their content is any indication Mm. i think they're in it for the money so if they're just hey we'll put this song on why have an unreleased song when you can put it on an album and get more compensation for it on Spotify or what have you. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good point. And, and I actually, I enjoyed the first culture record last year. Like it, it didn't yeah, make my top too. 50, but I thought it was pretty good. Um, it, it's, it was a lot more focused. This yeah. album, however, is just, as we mentioned, every song sounds the same for the most part outside of like made men and stir fry yeah they got like bbo's uh i like BBO stand out uh, yeah i mean <laughs> really any song with got, a feature they got moments they got moments stir fry like you said <laughs> emoji and chain is like <laughs> i i don't know what that's ridiculous about. enough to stand out <laughs> is that a song where like the chain is an emoji is that is that yeah, am i like, interpreting this correctly yeah, it's 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 it, the song is basically like put the emoji on a chain. Um, is like the the chorus. I I fucking hate. It's like or make a make an emoji a chain. I I hate then, 2018 so much. <laughs> it took me so long to like figure out what that was. <laughs> oh, there's the song uh, Narcos toward the beginning, and it sounds different because it's trying to do this Latin thing. But they are doing like the most basic, like yeah. la- it's like the taco flavored kisses of rap. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The only thing missing from that song is them saying like nachos and burritos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's it's basically like cultural appropriation. <laughs> it really like, is. Yeah. It's like whoa, Migos. They didn't get they didn't get any further than the fact that like <laughs> that. Uh, 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 what's his name? Pablo Escobar 
was like a uh, was a was a Hispanic, like a Mexican cartel dealer. They didn't yeah. get any further than that. They're like, okay, all right, arriba. <laughs> yeah, right. it's just, ay, ay, ay. yeah, it's oh. yeah. And 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 we know that uh, Offset, I think, has a a pretty sterling reputation for being accepting of people who are different than him. So I think he takes this cultural appropriation <laughs> thing pretty seriously. Um, so yeah. Th- I, okay, so here's a, a question for you here yeah. with with culture too. Mm-hmm. So they came off of um, last year, yeah, last year was culture. Um, so they came off of last year with a pretty like like a uh, pretty like like wide road set ahead of them for mm. success and mm-hmm. for influence and stuff like that in the hip hop world. Yeah, absolutely, partially because culture was a good trap album um, and. Uh, and 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 then the Donald Glover endorsement uh, yeah. at um, where was that at? VMAs? No, not VMAs. Something like um, Golden Globes. Golden Globes, maybe yeah. something like that. Something for Atlanta. Maybe yeah. it was the Emmys. Anyway, um, so they're coming off of that, and he's calling them like the modern Beatles and everything like that. So people are like paying a little bit more attention to him, and then Culture drops, and it's really good. And, um, and so like, I'm thinking like, okay, well maybe they're, maybe they're setting a path ahead of themselves to actually be influencers in the hip hop world. So with this, like what, like what happens? Like, are they, do you think that like they're, they're still going to like next time they drop an album, they're going to be like viewed as like, oh, you know. Migos are they're shaping reshaping the hip hop world still, or do you think it's going to be like a thing of like, oh yeah, I mean, look, like they're back to where they were. So I'm not super excited. Like, I'm not yeah. super excited about whatever they're going to drop. Yeah, I don't. Because this is like, because <laughs> Culture was the biggest rap album last year outside of Kendrick's album, I would think. And yeah, now it's are are do people still care about this album? Like, are, are people are are fans of Migos? Do they think this album's great? I honestly don't know. Like, would they be excited yeah. for a Culture Three? God forbid. Yeah, that's that's what I'm that's what I'm thinking. Like, I feel like this was like so hyped, and then the reception was basically like even people that were excited for it, it, it kind of felt like people were like, oh yeah, oh okay, right, you know, right. <laughs> like that kind of like lackluster interest in this. So. Yeah, yeah, I wonder. Like, I wonder if the, this was basically kind of like a fizzle for yeah. them. Like, like, like uh, it's like they're like seeing like their their whatever influence they were going for is like kind of flickering now because of this this drop. Yeah, they sound less like trendsetters and more like trend followers right now. Um, they sound like trend followers of their own sound. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're biting their own sound. Yeah, like it's, it's yeah. like a this album's like a parody of itself in itself. <laughs> yes. Uh let's do ratings, I guess. Uh Okay. Um if this is if the Migos are the new Beatles, then I guess <laughs> this is like their wild honey pie. Uh 4 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, um yeah, I mean there's <laughs> there's hardly any songs on here that like there's a couple songs on here that are that are good, but there's really nothing on here that's even like, oh, that's an amazing song, right? You know, 
there's so i mean and it's it's like you said it's 106 minutes so like that's just it's 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 just ridiculous four out of ten for me yeah. too 106 minutes is fine if you're swans but uh, unbelievable if you're me yeah right like yeah <laughs> so both of us had a four um mm-hmm. so shout out to migos uh mgmt is our next artist to discuss uh mm. Little Dark Age is the fourth studio album from indie rock band MGMT, or Management, I guess. I kind of think Management is a better band name, and MGMT is actually used in the real world as an abbreviation for Management. Right. So I'm going to call them Management, and I hope you guys are okay with that, because MGMT is a fucking stupid band name. I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, they're they're. It sounds <laughs> it sounds like a like like a uh, like a drug, yeah, uh, like a psychedelic drug. I think, <laughs> and which I might be the point. Uh, they're a band that really helped define the sound of popular indie music from 2007 to 2010 or so. I would say, like, it's interesting mm-hmm. to look back on that era and be like, wow, MGMT had a lot of influence for a couple of years there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this record, Little Dark Age. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I was surprised by how much I liked this. Agreed. Um, but I also was not having like very high expectations going into it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, this is, uh, I, I've only listened to, um, one other MGMT album in full. Um, that's the, uh, Oracular Spectacular. I yeah. Think. Oracular Spectacular. Um, and I liked it. I, I I thought that it was it was interesting. But the thing I have about their type of music with the psychedelic pop um, is like it gets a little like just it, it just as far as an album goes, it always fe- feels like too much by the end of it. Yep. I, um, I can so I get that. kind of burned out. Um, I can see that on 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 the on the sound by the time you know by the time the end of the album rolls around. But with this one, it feels a little bit more fresh and musical and like carefree and not so like you know wrapped up in its own like oh yeah we're doing some crazy fucking psychedelic <laughs> fractals like yeah <laughs> like that kind of shit you know yeah where you're dropping lsd and you're like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> this feels like i can enjoy it without like having to think like oh okay if i was high as fuck this might sound good <laughs> um yeah, this is the most so, pleasant surprise of the year so far. I'm, yeah, I, I, I mean say. that's that's like that's like how I was feeling. Like, wow, okay, this is some pretty good. And uh, I think the the clear standout from here, she works out too much easily. I mean, that's, God damn, that song is fucking such, awesome. It, it's such a good song. They dropped one of the best songs I've heard in uh, 2018, which I was hoping for too because they dropped some pretty goddamn amazing like single songs. They're a great singles artist. They really are. Yeah. Yeah, they they drop some pretty awesome uh, songs, and yeah, that that's a that's that's a super highlight for for the year as far as songs go. But the rest of the album, I was like, I was really impressed with too. Yeah, I think "Me and Michael" is a really pleasant song uh, mm-hmm. with some really catchy synth work and just like a really sweet chorus. And then "Handed Over," the closer, is like a really interesting ballad to close yeah. the album. I, that's like. I think that's gonna be one of the more underrated songs on this, but uh, but yeah, that's fantastic. I have I have a little mini rant uh, that I want to talk about here. 
Um, okay. So, do you, do you know that uh, that meme where it's it's two comic book versions of Spider-Man pointing at each other? Yeah. Yeah, as right, if yeah. to imply that they're like the same thing and they're pointing at each other like, hey, you're me, you know? Uh, yeah. I want... I don't know how to make memes, but I want to make a meme in this format where one of the Spider-Men is just a group of songs from this album, and then the other Spider-Man is an Ariel Pink record. Because <laughs> when, I, when I heard She Works Out Too Much, the opener, it's fantastic. It's fun. It's kooky. It's, it has these n- nice backing vocals. It's kind of a cutesy song topic, right? You know, she breaks up with him because he doesn't work out enough. That's why it wasn't working out, you know? Yeah. Wonderful song, but it sounded like something I thought I might hear on an Ariel Pink record. I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, oh, that kind of sounds like that. And then a few moments later in, like, later songs, I kept getting a little bit of Ariel Pink. And then the song James came up, and I'm like, Mm. I think Spotify changed my record to Ariel Pink playlist because this is ridiculous. And then I looked it up, and it, it turns out Ariel Pink does help out on She Works Out Too Much, and he does help out on the third track, which is uh, When You Die. When You Die, yeah. But he doesn't help out on James, which is just mind-blowing to me, because that's like the biggest Ariel Pink ripoff I've heard maybe ever, but yeah, sure enough. Right, yeah. So it, as much as, and I love this record, but as much as I do, I can't, it, it, it's weird, because I love Ariel Pink. So it shouldn't really be a complaint that this sounds like an Ariel Pink record, but it kind of is because it, it it feels biting to me, and that's a problem. Like if Migos made a Nas record, I'd probably enjoy it a lot more than I liked Culture too. But in the back of my mind, I'd be like, man, this sounds like they're just ripping off Nas, you know? So yeah, yeah, that's kind that's of a my... good point. Yeah, that's a, that that is that's a good point because yeah, it does uh, it does kind of border on. It's like a the a better in uh, management. I'll say management for your sake. Thank you. Great, uh, Great it's name. a better management record than I previously heard from them. But yeah, it's at certain points it does feel a little bit less like their own sound. Mm-hmm. And I didn't I didn't even put that aerial peak uh, comparison in there. But like now that you're saying that, like yeah, that's that makes complete sense. Like that's exactly what I'm hearing, especially on. Uh, she works out too much, and uh, yeah, and James too. Yeah, James. When is... you die, when you die, makes sense mm-hmm. um, that he helped out on that too. It's uh, it's it's got that same. I mean, the whole most of the albums got that same like like uh, you know the the Ariel Pink like kind of vocoder sounding. Yeah, right. Um, uh, talk singing kind of uh, sound where it's really surreal. Yeah, so that makes sense. But I think, I mean, they do a good job of using it to their advantage. And I think the thing with, like, Mm -hmm. with Ariel Pink is, like, it's somebody that you can basically rip off and plagiarize their sound, and it'll still sound very original because his sound is so distinct and so original. Yeah, I think his genre is technically called, like, hypnagogic pop or something like that. Jesus Christ. Right. Which is ridiculous. I don't know what it means other than sounds like Ariel Pink. <laughs> yeah, right. It should just say it, like in genre Ariel Pink. Yeah. <laughs> it, this this album though, real quick. Uh, there's something beautiful with this album to, mm-hmm. to me as a, as a music fan, as a guy who listens to as much music and anticipates music the way I do. Uh, 
I was not anticipating this record whatsoever. I, I was like, there's no way this new management record is going to have a chance at my top 50 this year. But it just kind of reminded me of that, like, no matter how unexcited I might feel about an upcoming album, there's, like, a slight chance it might actually be great. And I think that's, like, something I love as a music fan. It's that mystery of whether or not an album actually is going to be good or not. But, of course, the reverse is also true. Like, shout out to Arcade Fire, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gorillas. Yeah. Oh, God, no. Not again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm going eight on this. I, I really do love it. Um, it's it's concise, I think. It's only like 40 minutes or so. Um, but it's just well-produced, fun song after well-produced song. And, uh, yeah, it, nice. it might end up being my favorite record by them. I mean, I, I didn't like their last one at all. Um, their first yeah. one is like... I, I don't even... I love the singles, but I don't know if I ever loved the record or if it was just I was impressionable at the time I was listening to it. Yeah, that's... that's see, that's how I feel about, like, their previous stuff that I've heard. It's like... It's... It's like their their singles are so good that they're, they'll hold you over mm-hmm. through, like, this kind of bullshit <laughs> that's, like, more of the same kind of psychedelic shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's 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 what i that's what i always it, it feels so unfulfilling getting through some like whatever i've heard from them um because then you I, like i always end up just being like oh the standouts are kids <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> electric feel right. you know like uh, it's like it's just this like everything and then i'm like oh god i guess i don't really you know like as much as i thought but this one it's like you know, I, I, there's there's the album, the whole album. I mean, she works out too much is a clear standout, but mm-hmm. like the whole album is like a really refreshing, uh, just a really refreshing uh, um, piece of music from them and for 2018 too. Because mm-hmm. this is like this is this is very distinct still, even though yeah, you are kind of making me think like. Hmm, maybe it could have been a little bit more distinct if it wasn't for the Ariel Pink yeah. influence on here. Yeah, that's a really good um, point, and I agree with everything you just said. thing that I really like about this before I rate it mm-hmm. um, also that I wanted to point out is how kind of like existential it can get at points. Interesting, okay. And and uh, and like talking about death and, uh, and <coughs> like just talking about it, but talking about it in sort of like a really weird surreal way is so interesting like on uh on when you die mm-hmm. like they're talking about um hang on, let me pull this up really quick they're talking about like basically he's talking about all these suicidal thoughts you know he's saying baby like baby i'm ready to blow my brains out mm-hmm. um he's talking about all this stuff he's talking about like what happens when you die um, to like from other people's perspective and but he's just like he's just saying shit like go fuck yourself i was gonna say yeah right you know don't call me nice again like it's like it's so weird like it's like kind of eerie feeling like the the lyrics paired with this kooky like just bizarre uh psychedelic instrumentation Ooh, new new genre aerial pink Oh god damn it. <laughs> but it's even weirder, it's E A R Because you're hearing it through your ears. <laughs> this, is so, this is so stupid. God no, that's that's real no, that's really interesting though. Like it's... So 
yeah i like i unpacked a lot more from this thing than i thought i would because like they you know and it feels like self-serious enough but also self-deprecating enough for it it's just a really satisfying listen but it has that, um, that fun instrumentation, which is kind of has that that passion pit quality, where it's like if you listen too close, yeah. it's like a really depressing listen. But yeah, 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 exactly. So um, yeah, it's yeah, I, I I was I'm I'm very impressed by what I heard from here. I was not expecting much. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm at an eight two on this. I've been like bouncing back and forth between a seven and an eight. Yeah, but I like it. You know, I'm like right in the middle. But I, I like it more than giving it a seven gives it credit for. But like maybe a little bit less than like one of my best eights or something. It's one of those eight point one, but doesn't get best new music. I think is where yeah, I'm at yeah, it. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I'll I'll throw an eight at it too. Okay. Um, so eight yeah. eight for that. Uh, we're in agreement so far. Let's see if we liked this record, uh, Car Seat Headrest. Twin Fantasy, Face to Face. This is the 11th studio album from prolific lo-fi indie rock songwriter Will Toledo and his band Car Seat Headrest. Uh, this album is interesting because it's a, an entire reworking of their sixth studio album released way back in 20, uh, 2011, excuse me, titled Twin Fantasy, but it's now known as Twin Fantasy Mirror to Mirror to distinguish between the original and this reworked version. Um, what did you think? I, I, I've never listened to the original, um, but just the concept of reworking your own material, uh, did you find that interesting at all? Or, or like, I, thought, yeah. I thought it was really cool. I mean, we've kind of seen like a live version of Kanye do that with uh, Life of Pablo. Good but yeah. this, is, this is like, this is different because this is a complete rework of a previous album from seven years ago that was you know that not a lot of people heard right exactly so it's a different a different kind of thing um i i yeah i think i like that uh that idea because it's like it's like this idea of you know you had something that was like your you know your brainchild you this is something that real that you really loved and you put a lot of passion into but it doesn't get any exposure really because this is like a band camp release exactly and then you come into all the success like car seat headrest is coming off of with um uh, teens of denial and uh and starting to get all this recognition and so all of a sudden you're thinking like I want to go back and I want to rework this and I want people to know you know what this album is but i don't want it to be the same thing i just i want to make it into what like i want to put my own perspectives on it now so i think that's like a really cool Mm -hmm. reflective artistic idea that's the the, that's the most interesting part because much like other car seat headrest albums it's a record about love relationships drugs etc but at the time of the original it was also an album about teenage emotions and it still is now, but now it's like his adult perspective on his own right. emotions as a teenager. Like he's revisiting his emotions from the perspective of an older person, which I think is just a particularly interesting concept for a record, which is why I don't mind that we're not getting brand new material, even though it's brand new to me because I'd never heard it. But I think yeah, it's, same it's here. a really interesting I concept. I have heard it before either. 
Yeah, and and we we I mean, speaking of the music, we try to hide our opinions from each other before we share them on a podcast. Um, but given that Teens of Denial was my 2016 album of the year, I'm sure you're not surprised that I love this record. And yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah. I I figured I figured as soon as I started, I'm like. Oh yeah, this is right up, right up Will's alley, right there. <laughs> yeah, as soon as my boy came on, I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. And then, yeah. <laughs> Beach Life and Death pretty much solidified an eight, you know, two songs in. Um, yeah, but the the differences between this and Teens of Denial, uh, it's not nearly as catchy, I don't think. But its songs Ooh. are they're just as ambitious, if not more so. Uh, Toledo, he's always been a very ambitious songwriter. Um, and he flexes that on this album in a couple spots exceptionally. Um, of course, the, the two big highlights, I think, for a lot of people are the two quote-unquote epic tracks, uh, Beach Life and Death and Famous Prophets. Mm-hmm. Uh, each of them is like three songs in one, and uh, they move in different directions as you're listening to it and always keeping you on your toes, despite each song being at least 13 minutes long. I know that would maybe lose a lot of people, but he manages to keep it entertaining over that period, which is pretty impressive for like a lo-fi song. Yeah, right. For something that like you don't have, you don't have a lot of, uh, you don't have a lot of things to like save you from like variety or from uh, from monotony, other than your instrumentation that you have, like your guitars, like right in front of you. Right. It's it would be so easy to just make it a 13 minute long jam given the instruments you're working with and yeah. make it incredibly boring but he's he's a songwriter first or at least i view him as a songwriter first and like a musician second so he always takes time to craft exactly how he wants to present his ideas um and with those two songs he did this technique where the second song part a part of the second song uh, famous prophets reprises the ending of beach life and death and he does that kind of self-referential reprising a couple of other times throughout the album so mm-hmm. not only is this album a rework of an older album but some moments on this record are reworks of earlier moments in the record it's this crazy clever songwriting yeah. technique that i i hadn't really heard before and i think it's 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 a very much a self-referential album and i think that's, yeah, that's really cool that's that's what's like really kind of beautiful about it is the you know the 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 real idea of just reflection on here mm-hmm. it's just like it's so uh, it's so evident all through the album and that's such an important and like strange thing to capture too because like father john misty does that with his songwriting with the fact of like you know just writing self-deprecating lyrics or writing you know comical lyrics about his you know thing being an asshole to people and you know stuff like that and just reflecting on it through uh, these piano ballads but that's like a pretty and that that's that's pretty much it like this is so inventive in the fact of like mm. this is him reflecting on himself at an earlier age and reflecting yeah. on himself at earlier parts in in his album um, 
like it, it like just just real short term long term all reflective like uh um kind of ideas and it's such and it's so energetic at the same time and anthemic mm-hmm. that it For that sure. it like it it's it brings you to like i don't know it leaves you in less of like a uh like kind of a depressed like moody uh thoughtful state where like where something like father john misty's reflective songwriting would and more of just like a really like kind of appreciative state mm. uh, that's mm-hmm. what i felt like of of you know those like teenage angst days and of like just growing up in general yeah so uh, i mean that's that's kind of that's that's what i really liked about this is like how different it because i feel like a lot of uh especially like teenage angst um albums like written through teenage angst for teenage angst are just cathartic Mm -hmm. you know experiences this one was a cathartic experience but it's him reflecting on that cathartic experience and talking about what it means to him now and that's just like fucking awesome to me it it adds this whole new dimension as opposed to just him covering his own album it's this whole new experience with it so i need to go back and listen to the original one to kind of figure out like where he was at that time yeah right yeah yeah um i i think you nailed it with the the life of pablo thing that's a really good point and as i'm sitting here i'm think he was very vocally praising that album when it came out so i wonder maybe if if that influenced his uh decision to take on this concept yeah, it could be because, like, yeah, because that came out twenty sixteen, same year as uh, exactly, just a couple months. Teens. Yeah, so maybe maybe he saw what Kanye was doing, and he was like, "That would be an interesting thing to do." I don't know. Yeah, so uh, I'm going. I'm going eight on this. I mean, it's not quite a nine because uh, there's some songs that. I don't want to compare it to Teens of Denial, but I can pretty much listen to that album all the way through, just like every time. But there's a couple songs in the middle that just kind of lose me. Uh, High to Death, I know I'm, I might be crucified for that, but I don't really like that song too much. Um, and then there's a couple of interlude-type tracks that maybe could have been developed a little bit more. Um, but overall, eight, just because those two tracks... Okay, um, yeah. Bodies is another that might be my favorite song on here honestly. Um I love Bodies. Yeah, it's it's every single reason why I enjoy Car Seat Headrest is on yeah. that song. It's it's got catchiness, ambition, uh the themes of youthful exuberance that we've talked about. This humor where he's like asking if if the if it's time for the chorus yet and he's like no i gotta do another verse to like set up the chorus so that when the chorus yeah. does come around it'll be more effective or whatever um it, it's just everything appealing about car seat headrest all in one song and so bodies is my it's like if you don't want to listen to this whole album because it is long check out the song bodies and if you like it go from beginning to end uh, yeah i completely agree with that i love i love that track it's it, it was one of the one of the bigger standouts for me on on this whenever i was listening to it too um yeah so i love the idea of this i think that it was executed really well um i agree that like i think that beyond um i mean there's only a few things on here just like that drag a little bit 
mm-hmm. um, in sound, and I think that it's just like maybe it's like the I don't know I don't know what it is. It's just it, it. I think that it's just maybe maybe it's from the fact that he's reworking an old album, and some of that has flaws to it. And he's you know I don't know mm-hmm. the the idea itself is super ambitious, so I'm willing to. You know, it's not big enough where I'm like, oh, that ruins the album for me. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 enough stuff where I'm not like, I'm not feeling as uh, crazy good about it as uh, as I thought that I might. Um, but I mean, God, that the the idea behind it, the passion that's on here, um, the lyric work, every, like it's all there. It's all, you know, it's a great, it's another great car seat album. It's a good one to just do, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing um, that would be like, oh, you need to listen to this car seat album first and then this one, and then you can listen mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. Uh, Twin Fantasy. Um, it's a, it's accessible, it's catchy, it's cathartic, it's, it's really nice, it's beautiful. Um, so I'm feeling an eight on it too. Okay. Um, I'll I'll do that too, just because like that nine is so tricky to throw out. It is, you know, it is. And it's like I gotta I gotta feel like oh yeah oh yeah like oh, constantly feeling like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I couldn't quite get there with that. And maybe there's nines coming up on this podcast. Hmm, we'll see. Maybe we'll see. yeah, we'll see. Or even yeah, a ten or a zero uh, <laughs> or anything in between that. <laughs> <laughs> that is yes, that is how this works. <laughs> Um, all right, so our, our fourth album, uh, we only kind of talked about, uh, we, we, I think last time we did quarter one podcast, we barely talked about the Mount Erie record, A Crow Looked at Me, because it had just come out at the time of our podcast. Yeah, um, I mentioned it in my recommendations. That's, that's right, that's what it was, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, but that was it. So this new album, Mount Erie, now only. Uh, we have a little more time to sit with it before our quarter one podcast, so that's why we're moving it to like our, our main discussion. Otherwise, we would have done the same thing with the last one. Um, now Only is the ninth studio album from Mount Erie, which is the solo project of Phil Elverum, also known for his work with the microphones. Uh, like his previous album, 2017's A Crow Looked at Me, um, Excuse me. Now only is an extremely personal reflection uh, on the cancer-related death of his wife Genevieve Castri in 2016. Uh, I know that a crow looked at me had a fairly profound impact on you. I believe it was in your top ten last year. Uh, I'm so I'm interested in in what you thought of this one, um, which is kind of an extension of a lot of what he was working with. Uh, on the last project I I mean it's 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 shorter so it's not like Mm -hmm. as like immersive and just absolutely just (laughs) devastating right as uh, as Crow I mean it's not it's not as devastating either because Crow is coming like directly from this like this this place of his wife just died from cancer and then this one is more reflective on the aftermath of you know of of him dealing through the grief um him raising their daughter 
but it's still incredibly personal and it's it's definitely been sitting with me um like just as much but in a different way you know yeah crow like the thing with crow is that it's just like so beautifully destructive and this one is beautiful but it's it's like it feels like this just really slow uh, middle ground healing Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, it feels like he's just like he's just now realizing that things are going to get better, and he's expressing it through this album. Um, and it's really, it's really devastating. And it's really beautiful, and it's and um, he's got a lot of really nice moments dedicated to his wife and to his daughter and to you know reflecting on his own grief, also. Um, so it's weird for me because like I've been comparing the two, mm-hmm. but then with these I'm like it feels weird comparing them because I'm like I'm comparing a man's grief, yeah, off of his wife dying from cancer. But then I'm also thinking like, but I'm also comparing albums because that's what we do. Yeah, right. So I've been I've been wrestling back and forth with like this like should I compare Crow with uh, Now Only? I mean like it makes sense in both like uh, a grieving way and then also in a musical way to compare the two. Mm-hmm. But then I was also like, is that that too personal for me? Like, do is it my business? I don't know. Like, it's yeah. just, you know. This is, th- this one and A Curl Looked at Me are two of the most notable examples of this. But my kind of internal conflict with this is that on one hand, everything you said, you know, this is his, this is not this is music for the sake of therapy not for the sake of music um so on one hand it's extremely personal it's like you're reading his diary and you kind of feel dirty Mm -hmm. for reading it but on the other hand i don't make the same reservation with like carrie and lowell like when we talk about that album we don't make these same qualifiers so it's like am i now then saying like yeah, Carrie and Lowell was also very depressing, but it's it's not quite depressing enough to meet this barrier I've set for Mount Erie, I, and so I'm just yeah. I'm wrestling with that. Um, yeah, as as people that you know, we review albums. It's what we do. Um, yeah, and even I think, yeah, go ahead. I th- I think that like, it's because Phil Elbrum's lyrics are so like just ridiculously honest and blunt too. Yeah. And yeah, and and blunt and like the imagery that he uses in 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 these in these albums, like you know, God, like throwing out her underwear and like, um, you know, just like, God, like getting on stage at a music festival and playing songs about her death to a bunch of teenagers that are stoned on drugs are just like, and saying it like that. Yeah, compared to Sufjan's uh, 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 lyrics that are like very poetic and very flowery, and uh, and they're they're very honest, but they're it's much different. It's 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 he's so good about um, he's so good about like kind of hiding this like deep depression or like really really intense feelings about his family or whatever behind. Uh, beautiful music 
catchy songs, catchy choruses, things like that, um, and beautiful lyrics too. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this, it's just there's like there's like barely any barrier between that. He's mm-hmm. like it, he's just he is just grieving on these albums. Um, he's grieving and recovering and discussing things on these albums, and it's in a very honest and very point blank way. And it's so, and, and that's like the depression from it, where it's like Sufjan is is aesthetically depressing. This is pure depression. Exactly. The, this is somebody actually being depressed, and. And you're feeling it like there's no way to not empathize with that. Yeah, the it, the difference is too, uh, kind of to your point, like an Elliot Smith record or a Sufjan Stevens record, they'll they'll have this slight alleviation by using melody, harmony, and like more conventional songwriting to to kind of still make it musically something you want to listen to. But that's not the purpose of this record. Uh, that's not the the songwriting approach that is used here. So I think, even though I think there are more musical quote unquote moments on this record in comparison to a crow looked at me, yeah, it's definitely. it's still not um, something like you're listening to Elliot Smith, which is obviously very depressing, but you can also sing along to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I I kind of think where the distinction lies. And it, it, to that point, I think that's why I don't want to like it, saying I prefer this record to Crow sounds weird to say, but I think you understand what I'm getting yeah. at when I say that. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. Because I, I, it's something I find myself revisiting more musically, um, but in a way, it's kind of like I view it all as one album, even though it is like at different points of his grief it's it's a uh, it's very similar in concept but it, it's something i noticed with this one structurally it is fewer songs but they're lengthier mm. songs and he has this sun kill moonian way of ranting about his thoughts over the course right. of like a nine minute track which i thought was a pretty interesting stylistic decision um ultimately i'll just throw out i don't have much more to say it's it's ultimately a record that I appreciate more than I love. Not that I don't like it. It's weird. To, I, again, this is all weird to talk about. But yeah, um, I'm going seven uh, for me. And if you don't want to rate this album, that I understand because people don't. But that's I do this podcast so people understand how I feel about albums, and so that's why I decided to put a rating in it. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to rate it, because we decided to do this as one of our main things, so, you know, we should definitely rate it while we're uh, talking about it. Mm-hmm. So, um, the this, this, uh, this album itself is less striking to me as an album than A Crow Looked at Me, just because... A crow, a crow is so in the moment, absolutely just devastatingly brutal, with uh, just overwhelming emotion about the fact that this man's wife died from a horrible random disease, mm-hmm. and um, 
so it's so it sticks i mean there's no way for that to not stick with you after you listen to after you listen to it um just because i mean it's just it's just terrible even if you like hated the album at like musically it's a terrible thing Mm -hmm. and um and it's and it's and it's i thought you know it's beautifully written too so now only um resonates like a little bit less like that with me and a little bit more of understanding and not relief but like hope for what Mm. phil is Mm. going through right now because it feels like he has more of a grip on the reality of what's going on um through this album and i can see that in the more melodic um songs here i mean like the title track um chorus about basically the randomness of death and uh how you know and him dealing with with this idea this this person that was like his whole life dealing with that off of the idea of you know other people get cancer and die people get by trucks mm-hmm. you know like this just happens it's it's part of what being alive actually is um and it's a really like really depressing thought to have but it's a it's it's kind of beautiful to see a man that's going through what he has gone through being able to say this and sing it in sort of this melodic way and hear that sort of healing at least presenting itself um to him Mm -hmm. so i think that this album is really beautiful um i'm not like i'm not struck by it as heavily as i was with crow um i think i'd give this an eight okay yeah it's it's tough for me to like (laughs) rate it right right um just i mean yeah so i because i I like also like i don't really want to say anything like you know oh and this is what i didn't like about it yeah right because it's like i can't say that like this guy is like bearing his soul in front of us like yeah but you know as far as yeah so that's that's how i'm feeling about it but i think that these two albums are really like important kind of expressions as to like what music can be for like like healing mm-hmm. for people um so that's what i really i really think is uh beautiful about them is that idea of like this is how this is a, a pure example of somebody's grief process being expressed um and i think that that's like a beautiful thing i i really hope that people don't take it as like a oh yeah that album's so good you know like right because it's like that's not the point of this at all you know so yeah um so anyway that's that's just kind of how i feel about it so okay um yeah yeah Um, these albums both of those are the toughest albums i think absolutely to to talk about because it's just like you know what did you like it's, about it's, it? It's like, well, even what I liked about it, I don't like about it. You know, it's a, yeah. You're not supposed to really like anything about yeah, it. Yeah. So that's our uh, that's our four, I guess, group recommendations, uh, or not even recommendations, but just reviews. Uh, now we're going into more individual recommendations, and just kind of as an FYI, we're a little over fifty minutes in. 
So if we kind of oh, okay. if we do like five minutes per recommendation, that'll put us like right at ninety minutes. Because um, we each have four. Four times five is forty. Forty plus fifty is ninety, and that's the time right. we're allotted. So, so yeah. Right. So right. I'll go ahead and start because I want to lighten the mood, and this is an album that would do that. Um, and we give awards for our recommendations. I hope you, you're still doing that because I'm still doing that. Um, oh yeah, uh, yes I am. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> so my first individual recommendation, the award is it's a simple award, the best album of quarter one. This is the mm. best. This is the best one. You ready for it? Yeah, the best one. I'm ready to hear it. U.S. Girls. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. In, in, a, in a poem unlimited. Um, so despite the artist's name. U.S. Girls is actually a solo project of Megan Remy, uh, dabbling in the genres of, I guess, art pop and a little bit of electronic as well. Um, this record has a ton of just great qualities going for it, obviously. It's my favorite album of the quarter. Uh, it's concise at only 37 minutes. Uh, it's the most colorful record I've heard since, I don't know, Perfume Genius, which was my album of the year last year. Um, it's insanely infectious. It's glamorous. It's a ton of fun. Um, as far as instrumentation, uh, synths, horns, and just stellar production work uh, make this album an exciting experience. Um, and I, that's all cosmetic, but th there's a lot of content on this record that I find particularly intriguing as well. Uh, it tackles a myriad of song topics from uh, gender inequality um, to to a critique of pre President Obama's use of drones, which I thought was interesting mm -hmm. to hear in the context of all of the other political messages on this record. Um, and then there's even a song topic about uh, it's like a story of a woman developing infertility because she's working mm -hmm. at a chemical refinery all the time. Uh, so there's a ton of creative substance on here that matches the sleek style uh, aesthetically. Um, as far as the individual songs themselves, they each have their own personality. Uh, Time, for example, is a lengthy, funky, danceable uh, outro. Uh, Rosebud is, a, is an understated, smooth moment of the record. And maybe my favorite song... Uh, mad as hell there's a ton of disco influences on that song um which i thought blended well with the rest of the record you know more than anybody that i love records that manage to maintain cohesion despite having mm -hmm. a ton of variety within the track list uh this record fits that bill it's my favorite record of the quarter um i wish we didn't have a couple of what i felt to be unnecessary interludes and instead received a couple more high quality songs in its place uh but still uh, shout out to us girls shout out to megan remy nine out of ten nice nice, nice. yeah yeah Sorry. nice yeah okay i put this album on uh like my recommendations but not my top five recommendations because i okay. figured that you i figured that you were gonna have a, a lot to say about it mm -hmm. I, I do some of that so. too with you as well um, yeah, that's the same same with me. So all five of these recommendations I have, one of them is my favorite also of the quarter. Oh, okay. Um, but some of them aren't like the best um, that I have. I just picked them because I think that they need to be talked about, and I don't know if you are going to talk yeah, about we, them. Yeah, we try to 
for those you know listening we try to pick albums that maybe the other person might not pick just so we can talk about more albums you know that's that's what we try to do as a show um yeah so yeah okay what's yours all right so so i'll go on this trend yes my album that i'm going to talk about right now is the best album what of quarter one i just talked about it though so well um, maybe i'm going to say exactly what you just said (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> despite the artist's name u.s girls is a solo project of that yeah, yeah. <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> uh. no uh no this is rollo tomasi mm. time will die and love will bury it it's my favorite album of the quarter and i this came out of nowhere for me and i didn't even really want it to be my favorite album of the quarter but I this I think it's being kind of severely overlooked right now Absolutely. as far as as far as critics are like as far as critics are concerned. So this is a metalcore album. Um, they're a British group. Um, that's really all I all I know about them because um, I haven't heard of them before this. Um, it's it's so inventive. It's expansive as. it has it has it has a lot of jazzy elements tied in with really deep like intense metal core screamo ish kind of not screamo in the way of like red jumpsuit apparatus bullshit (laughs) but like but like it's not it's not heavy death metal guttural screams it's it's high pitched um high pitched metal you know and it's it's fast it's energetic there's some goddamn gems on here mm-hmm. as far as, i mean as as far as as songs go i mean <laughs> aftermath is maybe my favorite song of the of the year so far fantastic um, song. it's uh, it's amazing i and i like i keep listening back to this album and I keep digging up more things, um, and 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 feeling more positive about it, and more solid about my positivity about it. The more I listen to it, and like I almost like don't want that to be the case because of how just kind of under the radar this is. Like, but this album is is spectacular. I don't have much to complain about with it. I mean, it's not the most incredible album i've ever heard but this is the best album i've heard all quarter um i'm giving it a nine nice nice as well nice um yeah it it's it's uh, it's so musically expansive and inventive i just i haven't got i've listened to it so many times i haven't gotten enough of it and i you know it's only been three months so i'm so excited that this album came came around to me that's awesome Uh, and i'll just i'll be real quick about this um but i'm trying to get a little more into metal this year uh this is my favorite record that has metal components to it i i don't want to just call this metal i don't know what the actual genre is like i would call it metal core okay like the yeah it's metal core because i think that it's supposed to be like at the core of it is metal i got yeah but what i like about it is 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 what you pointed out it it combines these aggressive elements with like melodic moments so it's not too aggressive and off-putting but it's also not too soft they tow that line i think exceptionally well um Mm -hmm. but yeah that's great record i'm glad we talked about it because you're right it is getting overlooked i don't even think pitchfork has reviewed it yet 
No, they have or, or needle, needle drop, drop for that matter. Ne- yeah, uh, this is strictly yeah. a Metacritic. I saw like a ninety-two next to it or something, and I was like, I'm checking this out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it was for me too. I was like, oh shit, this yeah. is a Whoa. this is like this is one of the highest rated records right now. And yeah. then, you know, yeah, roll so. it to Mossy. Time will die and love will bury it. There you go. Awesome, um, awesome album name. Great, great, great art too. Um, yeah, yeah. My my second recommendation. Uh, I'm getting lazy with these award titles. Um, this one is. Oh shit! I didn't. I didn't uh, give the. Well, actually, yes, I did. Yeah, I mean, it's the, the best. best album. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. So, th- so this one's the best hip hop album of quarter one. Okay. God, God so, damn. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So, unfortunately, my favorite genre hasn't had the greatest start to 2018. Um, people who know this podcast and our blogs, they understand that hip hop. That's like my favorite. That's my shit. However, the uh, despite the disappointing start, the latest project from experimental hip hop artist JPEG Mafia uh, began the year on a good note. I thought uh, this is Veteran, the latest album from JPEG Mafia, aka Peggy. Uh, I like Pe- I like the the yeah. contrast between JPEG Mafia and Peggy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> so as as one might expect on an experimental hip hop record. Um, which, by the way, if you're talking about experimental hip-hop, you have to, you know, you, you try to resist the urge to compare it to just Death Grips. You, you just name-drop Death Grips. <laughs> but, right, yeah. Yeah, which, so I'm not going to do that. I, everyone does that, and it's a lazy way of reviewing experimental hip-hop, so I'm not going to do that. Um, it, anyway, the, the production on this record is just all over the place. Uh, the samples are, they're abundant. Um, but they're also like frequently unrecognizable due to all of the manipulation he puts on them. Uh, for example, the uh, the standout track, which might be my favorite song of the year, it's up there with Aftermath and uh, uh, She Works Out Too Much and uh, Bodies. Uh, Baby I'm Bleeding is the standout track. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah. It, it features what I assume is this choppy, glitchy, vocal sample as the beat's primary element it's like eh, ah, eh, ah, eh. it's it's really mm. weird um the beat on thug tears i think is it to me it's like if you took the music from ambient group uh visible cloaks and you just totally whacked it out it mm. just just like dropped it in a drug batter and decided to rap over it that's what that song yeah. is like to me um, and then the most aggressive mo- song on here, the beat is just a relentless, abrasive, old, dirty bastard scream sample. He's just yelling, and mm-hmm. that's the beat. Like, that's that's not even, like, the vocal part of the track. That's, like, I'm going to rap over old, dirty bastard screaming his lungs out. And so just from a production standpoint, this album's already crazy interesting. Um, but lyrically, uh, he sets himself apart because he isn't afraid to attack any mindset or opinion or person. Um, I think I described the U.S. Girls album as political, and if that album is political, then I'm not sure what to... T- <laughs> I think I ran out of adjectives. I don't, I, I don't know what I can describe this as. Um, essentially, he goes after everyone from Tommy Lahren to Lena Dunham to Bill Maher mm-hmm. to Donald Trump... Uh, one of the song titles on here is I Cannot Fucking Wait Until Morrissey Dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a very opinionated person, right? <laughs> so 
So yeah, much of this album is edgy, which can be a little off-putting, but my biggest takeaway is how creative and versatile he is. Um, Panic Emoji, for example, I I Mm. love that song, uh, because it showcases his ability to remain experimental, but also construct like a nocturnal banger like it's a song you could throw on in your car and i think people might enjoy it but it, it's still relatively experimental um it's the song germs exhibits his ability to change up a song halfway through but also demonstrates his the the mellow side of his rapping uh and then the closure i think it's the closure curb stomp um it, it that's i think even more so than the old Dirty Bastard track, that demonstrates his ability uh, to rap aggressively and passionately. Um, this record is it's 47 minutes over the course of 19 songs, so some of the song ideas aren't explored enough. However, this is definitely my pick for best hip-hop record of the year so far. 8 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, I I really, really... I, I figured that you were going to try to talk about that, too. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I was uh, blown away by um, by the experimentation on here, like how well executed it was. Um, uh, whenever I first, whenever you first sent uh, "Baby I'm Bleeding" over to us, uh, and um, yeah, I I really like this that this hip hop record too. It's so inventive and just and like and intense. Yeah, this is like one of the most intense. Um, and distinct experimental because that's the thing with experimental hip hop it can get like which is funny because it's experimental <laughs> right. but it can get it can get like un, un, like indistinct and like kind of indiscernible that's, from that's true yeah you know, that's why people will do the whole oh death grips you know comparison yeah. or on the other because, side it's open mic eagle right like that's the other yeah, one it's like yeah, oh, yeah, he's yeah, trying yeah, to sound exactly. like that yeah but no this is very unique I haven't heard anything like this album yeah. So yeah, I'm I, I'm yeah I'm a fan of that too. Um, okay, so uh, my next album is <laughs> let me think of a better a better uh, <laughs> better award than <laughs> uh, best. I'm not gonna say best album art because oh I have I don't a best know album if it is award. yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the most colorful album art. Okay. Um, of quarter one, 2018. <laughs> this is uh, Jonathan Wilson. Oh. With with rare birds. I am unaware of this. So you haven't heard this yet. I have not, I have not I heard think, of it. Oh, I think that Indie Heads has been talking. That's where I got the recommendation from. Okay. Um, so this is a sort of psychedelic um, in the realm of Ariel Pink, mm. um, MGMT kind of area, less less uh, psycho pop and more uh, psych rock, um, but very indie at the same time. Um, and uh, so it's in that it's in that realm. It's um, a melodic, super melodic singer songwriter album. Um, I hadn't heard of Jonathan Wilson. I don't know who this guy is, um, but I. The reason I got, I decided to listen to it 
was because one of the main standout tracks, Loving You, has one of my favorite Ambia artists as a main feature, Larajai. Hmm, okay. He's a, he's a new age um, ambient, ambient uh, like kind of pioneer um, who did the Ambient 3 album from Brian Eno's Ambient series. Oh. So that's why I saw he was like, he was a, uh, a feature. I'm like, ooh, okay, well, I'll listen to that song. And it's a great song. It's, uh, it's super spacey, um, sort of like ethereal, um, but like groovy kind of, uh, kind of a track. And it just like, it, it drew me in enough to where I would listen to the rest of this album. Um, the album itself is really inventive. It starts off with uh, the song Trafalgar Square, which sounds like kind of this weird, like Frank Zappa mm. sort of song where it's just kind of surreal. Um, he's talking about just random shit um, <laughs> some of the time. And uh, and the, the the melodies are kind of the the melody and the beat behind everything is kind of like just this strange, very minimalist like, um, and then it sort of swells and like and brings itself back together. Um, and throughout the album, it switches in between a lot of different areas of this same sort of psych rock. And it's very interesting. The only thing I have with the issue that I have with this is. It's an hour and twenty fucking minutes. Mm, okay. <laughs> so it's it's a pretty tough uh, thing to get all the way through, but there's so much like really cool shit on here that I and I, that I decided that it needed to be uh, that I wanted to to give a, a shout out to it. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really inventive album. It's really colorful. Um. And uh, there's some great songs on here, uh, and some and some pretty memorable moments. But it is an hour and twenty minutes. It's really tough to get through because it's like, it's 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 this psych, you know, rock stuff. So it's like unless you're that's like your shit, this is one of the this is an album that's like it, it can get a little draining um, towards the end of it. So I'm like I'm at a seven with it. It's not like amazing but i wanted to give a shout out to it mm -hmm. because um I, I i felt positively enough about it um at first um or at, that i was like i'm gonna i'm gonna like uh give this some more listens and and give this guy a give this guy his due from you know our highly popular podcast yeah exactly yeah so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to check that one out though honestly because i i'd never heard of it but i take your recommendation seriously so yeah loving you the song loving you from here it's one it's a great song it's it okay. might be in my like top 15 songs of the year okay yeah um so yeah so i'll yeah if you want to just listen to that and then judge it off of that but this is a very inventive album too so there you go jonathan wilson and what was it <laughs> the album name rare rare birds rare birds okay i'll write that down um okay my third recommendation it this award title is so stupid uh it's the you ought to listen to this punk record award god damn it and it's the winner is screaming females for their album all at once 
<laughs> so, All at Once is the seventh full-length album from New Jersey-based punk band Screaming Females. Have you heard this one yet? I'm just... uh, I haven't heard this one yet, actually. So, I don't, I don't have a ton to say with this record because everything that is appealing about it is evident during your first listen. It's nothing that I haven't heard before, but it's incredibly well done. Uh, it doesn't hide its appeal. It doesn't reinvent anything. It's just simply well-executed punk rock glory. Um, the instrumentals are consistently catchy. Uh, they're hard-hitting. They're well-played. Uh, I think I haven't heard guitar riffs this infectious since uh, e- either Charlie Bliss or JSOM. But Charlie Bliss is probably a better comparison based on the genres we're working with here. Um but to me, the, the biggest appeal about this record are uh, Marissa Paternoster's vocals. I know, I'm sorry, I probably butchered that Damn. name. Yeah. Marissa Paternoster, okay? Anyway, her, her vocals are, wow, just instantly became one of my favorite vocalists. Um, they are passionate, they're audible, they're, uh, they're clear, but also gruff. Uh, they're aggressive, they're full of vibrato. Uh, and they're just generally kick-ass. Um, I can't think of like a great comparison, but it's somewhat like an Americanized version of Dolores O'Riordan's vocals uh, from the Cranberries. Mm. Uh, I, I love that kind of style. Um, so mm-hmm. she has that similar gruffness about her. Obviously, she's not Irish. But um, anyway, it, I think this record is worth listening to just because I think... Sometimes when I, I, I don't want to speak for everybody, um, but there are some sites, and I'm guilty of this myself, but I get so far up my own ass with like trying to only promote stuff that's reinventing the wheel or uh, doing something I hadn't heard before or something like that. Sometimes it's just like, man, I've heard this punk record, but it is just so fucking well executed that it's undeniable. And that's what this record is for me. Uh, eight out of ten. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't listened to that yet. I've been I, I've I've had it like as like a, oh I need to listen to that, but then I just get distracted with other stuff. The the, the odd record so, is also good. I'll just throw that out there. <laughs> yeah, I I I liked it, but yeah. I wasn't like thrilled by the odd record. It might make my quick recommendations, but yeah, that's okay. about it. That's okay. About it. Um. All right, I'll move uh, on to mine. The um. This is the award for most uh, most indecipherable lyrics. <laughs> is this the odd uh, record? Is it? <laughs> right? Yeah, it's the odd record. Yeah. Uh, no, this is uh, Portal by wow. uh, I, or uh, uh, not. Sorry, this is Ion by Portal. By por- right. Yeah, I keep, I, I keep yeah. doing that because I'm like, wait, which one is the band name? <laughs> which one is the album? <laughs> they could both be. Um, <laughs> this is Ion by Portal. Um, Portal is uh, a, I'm guessing, like demonic electro, like not electro, like uh, uh, just death metal core, um, super frenetic, intense, fast paced. Um. Yeah, metal, metal, death metal group, black metal uh, group, and 
this album is aesthetically representat- rep- representative of supposed to be representative of basically like uh, electric overcharges and hmm. sort of like these demonic uh, these demonic phrases and, and things like that um, it's one of the most intense metal records that I've heard in my short time of trying to dive into metal more this is one of the most intense and aesthetically like engaging uh, death metal fast metal sort of uh, I'm so bad at describing those genres um, album mm-hmm. and uh, it's the the the, um, the the musicality with the uh, like vocals the way that they the way that they pair these on here is so like abrasive and intense um, that it really feels like almost it feels uncomfortable to listen to at certain points because of how deep and and intense it can get at points the the way that the just the harshness of the vocals on here with the the shrill um, just like shredding kind of guitar work impressive ass guitar work too by the way mm-hmm. such like such an impressive musical uh, ability on this album but the aesthetics on here are 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 some of the most engaging and uncomfortable and unsettling <laughs> um, that i've that i've heard from a metal record recently um and uh, it's really inventive and, and 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 I keep going back to it and just like feeling and 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 uncovering new feelings about it, uncovering new. I mean, I keep uncovering new musical things about it because it's so goddamn complex. Um, but yeah, I I I really like this record. Um, it's it's one of the most engaging death metal records that I've heard. It's not like what i was saying with rollo tomasi about how it's a pretty accessible metalcore record this is i wouldn't call this like super super accessible death metal no (laughs) at at all um but it's definitely like it's it's it does it does its uh it it does its job as far as distinctiveness goes and experimenting in uh like math death metal whatever it is um i'm at an eight on it okay um, I love this thing though. It's uh, could make an appearance in my top fifty later on this year. We'll see. I'm still trying to get into it. I've heard it a couple times, but I just don't think I'm there yet as a listener to say either way. Uh, I'm wh- surprised that you decided to listen to this. Yeah, well, I didn't just quick metal. I listened to the Tribulation record. I didn't care for it. Then I listened to oh, okay. Portal, and I'm like, I kind of liked it, but I found it really interesting which is more important if you're trying to get me to listen to it again. So it's still, like, saved on my Spotify. But then Roland yeah. Tomasi, I thought, was just excellent, or pretty good. Yeah. So That one that one is more... <laughs> that one is definitely more easy to listen to than yeah. this one is. This is this is intense shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, exa- is- oh, yeah. It is... It, whatever your stereotype of hardcore metal is, they, it, they do that, but exceptionally well. Like, mm-hmm. that's, that's the kind of metal we're dealing with here. But, uh... But yeah, I'm still trying to get into it. Um, but yeah, so good, good metal shoutouts today from you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. 
So I'm going with my last one. Uh, this is the best album artwork of quarter one, um, is my award that I'm giving to it. And I've talked about this album art with you, so I don't think you're too surprised when I'm recommending the new Young Fathers record, uh, mm-hmm. Coco Sugar. Um, real quick review of the album art itself. It has these contrasting colors of midnight blue, teal, black, a little bit of white, and then this just stark red lip color, which is just a great aesthetic choice just as far as that goes. Uh, and then I love the the face the person is making on the album cover, just kind of this dirty stank face. Uh, it's it definitely grabbed my eye, um, and the positive reviews also grabbed my eye because this is sitting at like an eighty six Metacritic or something like that. People are loving it, uh, except for Pitchfork and Needle Drop. They were kind of mild on it, but everyone else loves this. Uh, they're critic darlings in England and I guess the entire UK. Um, they won a Mercury Prize on their debut album in 2014. Um, but, but yeah, th- this is the third studio album uh, from this Scottish experimental hip-hop group. And although I recommended an experimental hip-hop album earlier with JPEG Mafia, these two records cannot be any more different. <laughs> They're both technically experimental <laughs> yeah. hip-hop, I guess. But this, this record blends hip-hop... Uh, like alternative R&B that's such a lazy term uh, art pop, soul and uh, many other genres which ends up in this like vibrant colorful atmosphere as opposed to the uh, the not so colorful atmosphere of the Peggy record um, on, on this one though on Coco Sugar uh, they play with melody a lot they're a very melodic group uh, they have fun with vocal effects and production tricks here and there um and i think the most grabbing feature to me was they they like to strip away song structure occasionally that they they won't uh stick to a verse chorus verse structure a lot they'll just kind of jump from one idea to another idea to a third idea um and it's all melodic but they change the melody um and so it's just this weird easy flowing structure that doesn't have a set uh a a set order to it um and this is kind of a double-edged sword with me because when it works it's it's such a joy to listen to uh the song border girl which is probably my favorite song on here um it, it does that uh in a way where it first establishes an idea and then develops it without announcing when the chorus is coming up or because you'll be listening to it and you're like is this the chorus or the post chorus or a verse it doesn't really matter Um, but ultimately the goal is to take you from the beginning to the end in a way that progresses and remains enjoyable throughout and leads to this climax of sorts border girl is a song that does this well um but this this approach when the underlying idea of the song isn't fully developed you kind of need structure to make it listenable. Um, if if there's just like a half-assed idea and you're not even giving it any structure, then the result kind of feels like an extended, empty interlude of sorts. Uh, an example of that would be uh, Tremolo, um, where it's just three minutes of... It's not really going anywhere, 
um, and it doesn't have the the music quality to compensate for that. Um, so it, it's this weird feature of the record that both helps it and hurts it depending on whether the songwriting process was executed well enough. But ultimately, it's a really exciting record. It's a record that I think has made me smile a lot. It's it's such a joy. You can tell they're having fun making this music. They're a very likable group of guys. Um, I'm giving it a 7 just because it's it's undeniably enjoyable for me just mm-hmm. subjectively. But there are songs on here that I'm like, ah, oh, they could have developed this a little more. Maybe if they mixed this song a little better, the climax would have had a greater impact. Uh, see the intro song, for example. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Great album art. <laughs> uh, seven out of ten. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, how how are we doing on time right now? By the way, six minutes. So. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. All so right. quick, well, I'll, I'll I'll quickly just say my last. Uh, recommendation then um or wait is that should that just be our last one yeah i think think? so no 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 you can do yours do yours yeah we have okay i'll just i'll just real quick so this award goes out for this one as the most not safe for work album art of the of quarter one um so if you check it out you'll see what i mean this is an album by uh ambient artist dead kind of cuts um, it's called Tahoe. It's uh, it like I said, it's an ambient record. It's very placid, has a lot of uh, choral elements to it. Very dark, moody, sort of atmospheric um, uh, elements to it, and uh, and I and and it's it, it's really captivating. Um, not super experimental. Very kind of. Uh, floaty but in 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 but in this like in a way of an artistic and distinct way um that's inventive and engaging um so uh, there's there's a lot of synth elements to it it's a beautiful free-flowing ambient album my favorite ambient album of the quarter so far so of course mm. i've got to give it a shout out of course yeah. um so i've i'm i'm at an eight on it still okay. so uh yeah check that one out that's all i'm gonna say about it since we don't have much time what was the artist album on that again uh dedicate d-e-d-e kind cut okay okay yeah i i, so heard I think of that one either. i think it's dedicate it might be dd kind cut i'm not sure how to pronounce it but yeah I'll have to check that out because again, you're hitting me with these records I haven't heard of. I need to set my game up, you know. Yeah, dude, what the hell are you doing? I, I thought you listen to music. I know. So we don't have <laughs> much time for quick recommendations, but I want to throw one out because I thought this was a record you were going to love even more than I did. So I didn't put it in mine, even though I like it more than like a couple of the records I talked about. This new fucking uh, Nicholas Jar. AAL against all logic. Yeah, I thought you were going to talk about. Yeah, this, well, we we can for like two minutes. Uh, it, Nicholas yeah. Jar, experimental electronic. Or, uh, he has reputation for making experimental electronic music, but under the name Against All Logic. Yeah. Uh, on this album, twenty twelve to twenty seventeen is the title. I guess it's just a collection of older material. He dabbles in house music, which I thought was kind of interesting. I'm not normally mm-hmm. a fan of that, but. 
he always makes this detail-oriented, subtle, classy music that re- that rewards uh, like repeated listens. So the more you listen to it, the better it gets, despite it being house music at the end of the day. I thought that yeah. was interesting. Just well-produced, fucking awesome. Eight out of ten. Might end up being a nine later. Yeah. Just because it, it's, it's such a grower, but yeah. I'm honestly, I'm at a nine out of ten on it It's right fucking now. great, dude. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of pissed that neither of us talked about it, but <laughs> it's like definitely like one of the best albums of the quarter and might end up being like one of the top 10 of the year. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a distinct and really amazing uh, electronic record. It's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's got these, uh, it's entirely instrumental, but it's got everything you want on a house mm. record. It's got the danceable moments, it's got the, the soul samples. Uh, it's got the quality where if you listen to it actively, you'll pick up on it, mm-hmm, minor yeah. details and subtle production tricks. And he, he just has a reputation for just making maybe the most well-produced album of the year anytime he releases an album. He's just, yeah. Nicholas Jar is just fantastic. He's super complex with his production, but in a way that's not like very self-indulgent. It's it's exactly. very listenable. It's, it's fantastic. And I'm glad we actually kind of had a chance to review it even though we kind of crammed it um yeah right <laughs> but yeah that that record is fucking great um so yeah we're at a minute left uh thank you for joining me um i always like doing these podcasts these are always great yeah there's there's a lot you guys should listen to uh, uh no matter what your taste in music is uh even if it's a genre you might not be as familiar with like metal or experimental hip-hop we think you should check these out um, I'm not sure what we're doing for our next podcast, but we've been kind of talking about maybe doing a classic review. Mm, so maybe we'll see. We'll yeah. see. We'll talk about it. So doing our first classic review. I know we had the OK Computer Kid A discussion, but we haven't done just a flat out like here's our review of an older album. Um, so we might do that. We might not do that. Um, but regardless. <laughs> <laughs> regardless stay tuned because we're music keeps coming out and we're gonna keep reviewing shit so uh so yeah thank you for listening Bye bye <laughs>